1973, a group of indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of indigenous art. It was all or nothing. We're representing all our people. And create a permanent space in galleries for indigenous artists in Canada and around the world. That was really a rock star moment for me. I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the professional native Indian artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard. Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome. From Welcome to Art Slice, a palatable for some <laughs> serving of art history. I'm Stephanie Duenas. We really need to change that tagline. Pa- palatable if it suits your specific taste and doesn't <laughs> anger you. I am Russell Shoemaker. Stephanie, what are we talking about today? Today we will be discussing Giotto di Bondone's Scrivani Chapel frescoes, circa 1303 to 1305. And listeners, I want to put you in my shoes, okay? My 2016 zapatos. A young, naive Stephanie out in Uh the world. Yeah. All right? Swapping air with strangers. Ew. In in close faces. It's weird when you say it, right? It is, but that's what we used to do. Quindici minuti. You have 15 minutes, they said. The chapel looks small, actually. At least it seems small on the projector screen in the dark art school lecture hall just a few years earlier. I entered the chapel, which was about the size of a large barn. The day had been overcast, but for a moment, the sun lit up the stained glass windows and brightened the frescoes, illuminating a night sky of gridded golden stars covering the ceiling above. The colors were so vibrant and overwhelming accentuated by centuries of faded shades of blue. I didn't even know where to begin. I tried to follow the story from the beginning, but my eyes didn't settle. Peculiar architecture, vague landscapes, and the unexpected. Figures from Catholic school caught in very real and related. And that was it. Wait, what? My 15 minutes were up. They kicked me out. Just like that? Yes. But there's there's like so many paintings in that room. What do you I mean know. You get 15 minutes. You only get 15 minutes. Maybe <laughs> even buy, less like, now with COVID. I have no to idea. Back tickets. Back to back to back tickets. Apparently, that's what you have to do. That's a hack I didn't even know about. <laughs> My bad. All right. So- Just wear a mustache the next time around. <laughs> <laughs> no. My name is Spamephamy. Spamephamy? Spamephamy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so this is part of the reason why I wanted to talk about Giotto and the Scrivani Chapel. You wanted to re-enter the Giotto sphere. Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Love it. Yes. Trust me, listeners, there's a lot to see and a lot to talk about. But before we can discuss Giotto's monumental work here, we have to understand the thousand years, give or take, that preceded him. Okay, what was that? You know, like medieval art. Oh, right. Look, there is no way we could possibly give you the full backstory of medieval art and still have time to talk about Giotto and plug our Patreon, okay? <laughs> it's more of a time period, and it covers over 1,000 years of art in Europe, Western Asia, and Northern Africa, from the waning days of the Roman Empire to the beginning of the Renaissance. That's a lot of years, mm. a lot of people, a lot of continents, a lot of art mediums and movements, and a lot of Vikings. There were actually quite a few Vikings, right. too. 
In the ancient times, the before Baby J times, uh-huh. the BBJ. So, listeners, in Russell speak, Baby J is Baby Jesus. Baby, yeah, Baby Jesus. Jesus. Baby, J- <laughs> baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. <laughs> baby Jesus. My baby Jesus. Anyway, the Romans and the Greeks, they were polytheistic. They believed in multiple deities, mm-hmm. and you know they loved to create a convincing illusion for the viewer. Mm-hmm. Often of said deities, often kind of sexy, like a sexy deity. Very sexy. You know what I'm saying? Oh my. Chiseled to the beauty standards of the day, symmetrical, mm-hmm. proportional. The artists, they were kind of like plastic surgeons. Yeah, look at okay. that ass. Yeah, working that on ass. That, yeah, giving a Brazilian butt lift to, they had to a- Zeus or whatever. <laughs> oh. Okay? Okay. But eventually, the Greeks and Romans were like, we have too many gods and goddesses. <laughs> oh, who has time to keep track of all of those gods and goddesses? That's a lot of gods Way and goddesses. <laughs> we can't keep up. What's this new Christianity we're hearing about? And they began their walk with the BBJ. Okay? What? What is that? What? What is a walk? The walk? Your walk with the Lord. Uh, no. You, how, hey, how's your walk stuff? Your walk with the Lord. Did they not say that in Catholic church? No. Is this just a Protestant thing? Yeah. I've never How's heard your of walk? This. this is really weird. Your walk with the Lord? It's none of your business. <laughs> it's none of your business what my walk no, is. No, everybody's really got to know weird. their business. Anyway, anyway, anyway. We had confessionals, which was even more awkward. Was that your walk? While you confessed your sins to a You opened up that little box. in a little box. The priest is like, how's your walk stuff? How's your walk with the Lord? He's like, no, tell me your sins. Okay. <laughs> even worse. I mean, essentially, that's what we're doing, right? The big switch to Christianity caused many a conundrum because according to the Bible, Exodus 10-4, in case mm. you were wondering. I know, yeah, I know that well. Okay. Well, what about the listeners? So it's written on my on my heart. <laughs> okay. Because of my walk. Go I'm on. Not, I'm, not go gonna, on. I'm not going to ask you about your walk. I hope you don't expect that of me. It's I, not, I would like. It's not going to happen. Christians couldn't make art depicting or portraying any god, including a Christian god, for worship because that is idolatry. Yeah. Those beautiful, chiseled Greco-Roman statues were suddenly a huge no-no. Mm. To them, creating an image or an illusion is a lie because it is not the thing it claims to be. Painting of a peep is not a peep. It's not a peep. Right. But- Ceci n'est pas une Correct. Exactly. Yes, right. Yeah. So, but the artist wants you to believe that it is real. Unless they tell you explicitly that it's not real. Ceci n'est pas une peep. Yes. But they were like, meh. Fuck it. We like pretty images. They still like the images. So it never really went away, but it also didn't stay the same. Yeah, you, you get like the bootleg version <laughs> of, what, of what you really what? wanted, right? So wonky. Yes, mm. exactly. Artists were like, well, what if the images didn't look exactly like the yeah, thing, Yeah, so you're right? trying to find a workaround. Well, that, right, yeah. because then it wouldn't be like a liar and illusion, really. Technically speaking. So, correct. Yeah. So they started to move away from naturalistic or realistic representation. So no more defining details, mm. right? We're not going to paint your unibrow, Frida. Sorry. Like, it's just <laughs> we're going to keep it really basic kind yeah. of thing. So they preferred to make everything look flat so it only kind of looked like real life. Exactly. So they abandoned the Greco-Roman classical art standards like Mm -hmm. shading perspective sculpting realistic things (laughs) that you could walk all the way around basically so you couldn't mistake it for being real Uh you know if you had too much wine or or your eyesight was bad (laughs) Uh, i don't know how they dealt with the eyesight thing back then actually now i'm saying it but i don't know so everything people animals and objects all started to look kind of wonky started to look a little cartoonish and thanks in part to some muslim influence uh a little bit abstract a little bit abstract okay we get some hilarious art because of it. Okay, I'm gonna show. I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna show you a few examples. So, listeners, I guess it's time to say you can find all the images we are about to discuss on our website at artslicepod.com, and some of the images on our Instagram page at artslicepod. 
So we have a collection of images here, oh, listeners. Man. All right, let's talk about the first one. The okay. Top, top left. You're on top left. Yeah, I want to okay. describe what we're looking at. Um, <laughs> a person with a smile and rosy cheeks. A pleasant, a pleasant look Ple- on their pleasant face. Pleasant look on his face. He's a little flushed. He's embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <laughs> he, he's getting stabbed in the head with, with, a, with a sword. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And the person stabbing them also has this kind yeah, of yeah. similar pleasant look on yeah. their face. It's a sunshiny, happy day. <laughs> Just another day yeah. getting stabbed in the head. No big deal. That's how they took care of headaches back then, I think. Cut them out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They look really cartoonish. Mm, there's yeah. there's no shading. There's there's just like a little bit of red on the cheeks, which honestly looks like they got a bad paper cut and maybe smushed right. the paper <laughs> a little bit. Right. Yeah, otherwise, these two figures look exactly the same, except one has, like, golden curls and the other one's wearing some kind of headgear. Headgear, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Protecting his head. Accessory. Yeah, yeah right, right, He right. sees what goes on in the in this kind of place, you know? He wants to make sure he doesn't get stabbed in the head. <laughs> right. He, he Only he does the stabbing. Nobody else. You can't have medieval art without some animals, so we have one here for you today. It kind of looks like Godzilla. Like a dogfish? But, uh, yeah, also a dog. But also it's got a goatee. <laughs> but also it's got fin ears. This is a stumper, if we can say that. This is kind uh, of yeah. stumping. And, okay, there is a there is someone sailing on top of it, <laughs> throwing a uh, anchor on top of it, trying to catch it, I believe. Or it's their buddy, and they're traveling together. The animal is the... It's the- a dragon. It's a dragon? A water dragon. I think it's a whale. That's a whale? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, no. Yeah, no, it's like someone, a really no, 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 big no, fish. Someone's going, some, some fisherman's going like, I need to feed my starving country. I'm going to catch myself a whale. And they go out onto the ocean for days and they have this little drawing with them and they, they finally find a, a whale okay. to catch, which I don't condone, but a whale <laughs> to catch. Okay. And then they look at the picture like, well, this isn't a whale. <laughs> they never find it. We can't eat this. We don't know what this is. It could be poisonous. <laughs> okay. Medieval art wasn't just wonky images from illuminated manuscripts like the Codex Manus that Mr. Stabbed Head right. is from. Mr. Blue Sky. I mean, yeah. what? He's seen blue skies and colors and, and sunshine. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, yeah, so there was plenty of that. But there was also the glittering mosaics of Emperor Justinian and Queen Theodora in Ravenna, Italy. Mm. There's also just stained glass, metalwork, tapestries, and of course, architecture. I could go on and on, but that's all for another day. Still, at least in the figurative works, even in the best examples like the Basilica of San Vitale, everything is really flat. Everyone got their way. Artists were dodging the sin of handcrafting affronts to God. (laughs) There would be variations of this new style over the centuries, but it basically all remained within a comfortable, safe space of the not- too real. Okay. So ask me, Russell, where does Giotto fit in all of this? Steph- Stephanie. Stephanie. Russell. Where does Giotto fit in all of this? Well, the pendulum... This big, in this big old world that we that we live in. Where's his place all right. in all of this? So the pendulum had swung so far back mm. that it inevitably had to swing forward. People were getting bored with those cartoonish kind of flat images. Sure. So with the rise of the Catholic Church... The, the RC 1.0. <laughs> right. And their wealthy patrons commissioning more elaborate art to outshine their wealthy neighbors, Mm. art started to slowly swing towards the well-crafted, the epic, the real. Giotto Mm. is our connecting flight from here 
to your favorite Russell, yeah. the Renaissance. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's not so, my favorite, but okay. I mean, it's. I just need to make that clear if anybody's just listening right joking. now. She's being sorry. She, listener, she's poking fun of the fact that I don't really like the Renaissance that he, much. He doesn't yet. Giotto's invited us onto this magic carpet ride. Oh. And we are going to get a glimpse of what came before the Renaissance, the big okay. rebirth. The big rebirth. <laughs> Uh, but before we board, let's talk about Giotto's beginnings. Okay, G- Giotto beginnings story. Yes. The movie. Story time. Wait, what? The movie. Is there a movie? It could be. Your joke. All right. Sure. All right. Movie for your ears. Giotto di Bondone was born around 1267 near Florence, Italy in Tuscany, a.k.a. one country. Yeah, I, I can see why Giotto went by his uh, his first name. Why? Di Bondone. Di Bondone. No? Yeah, I know. No, Giotto. It's got a certain ring to it. Giotto. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, it's much better. Like right? That. All right. <laughs> Okay, so Giotto had a pretty happy childhood, and he was endearing to everyone he met. Okay. You know, like those cute kids that are like so inquisitive, but they're also like polite and kind? He was one of those kids. Papa Bondone. Yeah, it's hard to say. See, Giotto, much better. Okay, all right. So his dad was a blacksmith, and at 10 years old, he put boy Giotto in charge Mm. of watching the family sheep Thus, Boy Giotto became a shepherd boy. Okay. He loved to sit and observe nature when he should have been watching the sheep. Giotto would draw on stones or on sand. He would draw something he was observing, maybe sheep Mm. or maybe something he made up. He had a big imagination. And lo and behold, who happens to catch shepherd boy Giotto not tending to the sheep and instead doodling in the sand. B- bigger question, who leaves a 10-year-old with a bunch of sheep? I mean, if 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 they prove <laughs> if they prove to be responsible, then sure, why not? All right. So, the great Florentine painter Cimabue happens oh, to swing by. Cimabue discovered boy Giotto drawing pictures of his sheep on a rock. They were so lifelike that Cimabue asked Papa Bondone if he could take him on as an apprentice. Okay. And I mean, Papa Bondone was like, yes, please take him. Yeah, he's a horrible shepherd. He's only 10 <laughs> years old. And he's, I didn't know no. he's drawing fucking sheep on rocks. It's Aww. an affront to God. Get him out of my house. No, no. You're he... no longer a Bondone. Bondone. <laughs> That's how he... You uh, are not he... just Giotto. You're just Giotto. You have no last name. I do not know you. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> no. Let's see. I know. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> just come back and forth. Okay. Uh, no, Papa knew that Chimabue was yeah. very successful. He was not poor, okay? And he okay. wanted his son to be successful. He didn't want him to grow up to be a poor farmer, which honestly probably would have been his destiny had mm. he not been discovered. Right. Sheepless farmer. Boy Giotto then trained in the big city, mm. New Florence. York city. Oh, sorry. Florence. Florence. Yeah. Firenze. Okay. Firenze. With Chimabue. Okay. All right. So listeners, we are now somewhere between the end of medieval art and the beginning of Renaissance art. You could call this period late Gothic or you can call it proto-Renaissance. Mm-hmm. pre reni whatever you want. Chimabue and his fellow artist peers were still painting flat spaces and their figures were stylized similarly to the Byzantine style. Yet another art style that sits under the giant medieval umbrella. Yeah, an, an umbrella made of long ornate vaults. Ooh, I like that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's hard to hold though. <laughs> 
life. You only have like eight people to <laughs> okay. hold it. Because the, draw- the vaults don't have like a center I, I need pole, you to draw me you know? a picture okay, of this anyway. umbrella, please, and, and upload it to the Patreon. Thank you so much. All right. So if you recall, listeners, from our El Greco episode, Byzantine figures were thin, elongated, and geometric. Flat space surrounded the figures. Very glossy. They were... That's right. They were very shiny. That's true. So there was no shading or modeling. For them, it was all about the story. Most people couldn't read. So they wanted to tell the story and they wanted it to strike awe in churchgoers. Okay. So Chimabue's team is mostly working in fresco, tempera, and ornate gold leaf. Mm. But in his work, we have a very small amount of realism sneaking into the figures. And there are painted architectural objects that look like they are receding into space. So using just a teensy tiny bit of perspective, a very early Trump Olay, if you will, or a deception of the eye. Uh, Stephanie, lies make baby Jesus cry. (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, They just couldn't help themselves, though. Yeah, they They couldn't couldn't help help but make the baby Jesus cry. I guess not. I guess not. So this is probably why when Chimabue saw Giotto drawing sheep from observation, Mm. he was like, I got to get this kid in my shop. He's got an apprentice for me. So boy Giotto begins his apprenticeship. First, he starts at the bottom rung like everyone else. He's grinding away at pigments. He's fetching a Espresso and cannoli for everyone in the workshop. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, Giotto works his way up, soaking in all the secrets, the techniques, the tricks, and the tidbits. Turns out, boy Giotto is a prodigy. Super talented, unprecedented, no mm. one was expecting it. So he takes everything Chimabue taught him, and he surpasses it. Okay. I'm lapping you, Chimabue. Yeah, Chimabue is like, Cat- okay, now up. I have to kill Giotto. Whoa. How could this be? How could Giotto surpass Chimabue, the goat of the day? Well, Giotto had talent. He had training now under the greatest, right? But he also was a people watcher and an active observer of nature, remember? There's a story, more of a legend, really, that one day Giotto was painting in the workshop and he painted a fly on the surface he was working on. He, like, walked away from it and maybe, I don't know, yeah, go get an espresso shot. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and then Chimabue spots it, okay. comes in, yeah. checks it out. Yeah. He sees the fly sneaking up on it, right? Pulls out his medieval fly swatter. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, I was going to say he, like, grabbed his chancla, his sandal, but... Please tell me more about this medieval fly swatter. Uh, it's, okay, it's like a vice with a turn screw that slowly crushes the fly. In, in theory, it doesn't ever say, work because the fly, you know, flies away. Right. Look, I was going to say a little fly Iron Maiden, which is funnier. Okay, but they don't. <laughs> the, the Iron Maidens didn't, didn't exist. You were I disappointed am. to yeah. learn that. You go your whole life thinking that an Iron Maiden exists and it doesn't. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Speaking of real, this story may not be, mm. but. We're going to choose to believe it. Giotto had painted the fly so realistically that he had fooled his teacher. That's how good he was. He gotcha Chimabue. Gotcha, gotcha, bu- gotcha, bue. Giotto is taking painting a step further than Chimabue. Yeah, uh, Giotto don't care. All right. Giotto, he, right. Giotto wild child. All right. <laughs> kind of. He's yeah. kind of an... Doesn't un- give a shit about the blasphemy that he's, he's unleashing into the world. Well, he's giving the figures life again. Okay. He's giving them mass, right? There's a body under that fabric, mm. right? It's not just some wafy flat strong wind i don't know man with a sword in his head that too yes yes so he's illustrating figures from different angles he's taking an interest in their surroundings as well so he's putting as much thought and detail into the environment as he's in the figures and things are starting to look (gasps) 
Realistic. Oh, Realistic. Okay, yeah, like that fly. And that's a big deal. Because remember, artists were shying away from creating illusions, and they had been for centuries, right? Yeah, J- but Giotto don't care. Giotto care about one thing, and that one thing is wild fly pranks, okay? <laughs> okay. That's what, that's what it's all for. That's what it's all led to. The whole journey. Was for a fly prank. Yeah. He's doing it everywhere now. I mean, freaking, he must have felt pretty good about people out. Just painting flies everywhere, yeah. like graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Everyone's sneaking up with their various torture devices, torture de- medieval fly torture devices that never work, and they think they got them finally. Finally, no, they didn't. They're not real. They lift up the device or their shoe, whatever. Yeah, it's flat. They <laughs> their weapon fe- of choice, their cannoli. Is, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a mess. If anything, that's going to attract more flies. So let's flash forward to 1303, and Giotto is in his mid to late 30s. His wild fly pranks t- have taken him far, yeah, right? right. So Giotto is a bona fide art star yeah. by this time in his career. Okay, He is known far and wide for his talent and his personality, and he had gained a reputation for his realistic style. Clothing looked like clothing. People looked like people, yeah. okay? They wore expressions on their faces. They right. had a range of emotions. Right, you if they're know, getting stabbed like in the head, they would have a, the correct expression on their face. <laughs> right. Like, ouch, that hurts. And ouch, <laughs> I'm losing my faculties. Yes, 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 yes. So you could tell when, yes, they're being injured. They're happy. They're angry. They're sad. They weren't just stoic, stiff figures anymore. Also, babies oh. looked like babies. <laughs> okay. This is real. So it's a serious issue. Yeah. The Byzantine babies are horrific creatures. Yeah. The Marys, they're not very stoked to have these tiny little men <laughs> cradled up to them. No. Right? They look like little men is what they, I'm getting at. They like do. little old men. Okay. Little human yeah. men. Mom. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is what one would hear if they're looking at an image yeah. of a little man yeah. in Mary's lap. So, yeah. Right. All right. So, Oh, God. Okay. So, Jono had eight kids. Mom. Okay, so he definitely... (laughs) Mom, where's the prune juice, Mom? Oh, no. Sorry, go on. That's going to be a messy diaper. (laughs) Horrifying. They're just horrifying. Mary is not stoked. Look at her face. No, she's not. This burden. All right, so Giotto had eight kids. Oh, God. A lot of babies. That's a lot. A lot of babies to observe. One wife? One wife? Yes. Okay, back then? Of course. One wife had eight babies? Of course. In the the medieval times? That sounds low to me, if I'm being honest with you. I thought they died after like every two and they just replaced the wives. I'm not... I'm not sure. Okay. Honestly, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, no excuses. Giotto should know how to, you know, paint a baby. Sure. Um, but he also... That's probably why he kept having babies. <laughs> I need a model. Like, I forgot what they looked at. There weren't like manuals back then or photographs. <laughs> Definitely not. Giotto didn't stop at humans. He also took the time to realistically depict animals. Mm. Remember that? Remember that whale I showed you earlier? Yeah. yeah. He's like, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. He's like, my Pepe doesn't look like that. My Pepe, his What's small a Pepe? dog. His small dog. I don't oh, know. Okay. <laughs> Name Pepe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So depicting your Pepe yeah. realistically hadn't been done since ancient times. So people were loving it. The commissions were just rolling it. Not for yeah. Pepe. Like... No, they were. For their yeah, own no, stuff. Giotto, that's how he made his, that's how he afforded all those lawyers. Giotto had a lot of lawyers, listeners. Yeah, he was lawyered up. Yeah, he was lawyered up. Life. Yeah, they, you know, they all say he was a nice guy, but maybe they couldn't say otherwise. I you know, know right? I know, yeah, right? right. <laughs> they, signed a, they signed an NDA yeah. or something, right? Okay, commissions are rolling in. He is doing well if you had a holy place with bare walls and you could afford Giotto because he ain't cheap. And you want Giotto to fresco your naked walls. 
So how did this commission come about? I am wondering, yes. You're wondering, yes. listeners. One day, Giotto gets a call and his phone says, potential spam. <laughs> the worst. The worst. Obviously, it's spam. I don't know anyone in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, it was Enrico Scroveni calling. Yes, yes. Huh? Huh? What? No, go on. What did you say? It's Enrico Iglesias. No, it's Enrico Scroveni. Okay, go on, yeah. Oh, okay. He's like, hey, Mr. Giotto, you don't know me, but you might know my father, Reginaldo Scroveni, you okay. know, from Padua. Of course, of like, course. Nah, never heard of him. Why? <laughs> Wait, is that Giotto's voice? <laughs> yeah. So he's like a Brooklyn Italian? Yeah. Okay, all right. I guess. Um, I don't know. That's just what Want some pasta and meatballs, baby? <laughs> okay. Sorry, go all on. Right. I'm sorry. So, uh, Look, I just want to be a part of it. And then Enrico's like, well... All you need to know is that the Scrovenis have cash, okay? Lots of it. And we would like to commission you, Mr. Giotto. And he's like, I don't do no rumpus rooms or no man caves. Is that That's why you're calling. So Enrico had just inherited a big old fortune from his papa, yeah. Reginaldo. Ask me what he did for a living, Russell. What did he do for a living? He was a banker okay. and a user, as was Enrico, like papa, like son. All right. Usury was a sin in the church. And, and what is usury? It is the sin of collecting, get this, interest on a loan. <laughs> That's a sin. How about that? How you like that? How interesting. Apples? How interesting. It is no longer considered a sin, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so being a usurer back in the day was a one-way ticket to hell. And now Enrico has all of this dirty money. So he's like, he's kind of like a payday loan guy, like a CEO of a payday loan I company. I guess. Awful, awful. Awful people. Okay. Ugh. So you'll often hear that he commissioned the chapel to atone for his and Reginaldo's sins by using the usurer money for good. And while using your money to help you get to heaven is not unusual during these times, in this instance, it has been disputed that this was the actual reason for the commission. Supposedly, Enrico wanted to atone because Reginaldo was called out in Dante's Divine Comedy, (laughs) one of the greatest Italian literature works where Dante describes his vision of heaven, purgatory, and hell. Okay. And in it, Dante says that he saw with his own eyes Reginaldo in the mm-hmm. inner yeah. ring of Love the it. seven circle Love it. of Love hell. It. A scorching desert where it continually rains fire. Yeah. But beautiful view, surprisingly. <laughs> all right? Got a nice view of the canyons with all the torture below. Sometimes the screams echo off of the Navient corporate <laughs> woods building. God. In the pit of hell. Oh, wait. It's be- the sounds are beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> you just want to pull out your, your phone and take a field recording. <laughs> I mean, you must have been really shitty to make Dante's shit list, you know, yeah. in hell. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Dante began working on the poem in 1308, which is three years, actually, after the Scroveni Chapel was completed. So it doesn't quite add up mm. unless... Enrico got his hands on a secret first draft or something that nobody knew about. Yeah, he could have. He could have. I, be- I believe this. You believe that one? Yeah. Or maybe he just didn't want to mix with the lowly locals. You know sure. what I'm saying? Like hey, maybe if- he didn't want to share his worship right. space, okay? I mean, if you are the lone interest collector Awkward. of the city. Awkward. Probably not a lot of people <laughs> like you. Right. All right? Use your dirty money to build yourself a yeah. dirty chapel. This is something that we will see again, listeners. It wasn't just the church commissioning art. Wealthy people or royalty could do it as well. If you've yeah. got money, you've got power, right? If you don't like it, build another one kind of thing, sure. right? <laughs> and with that, listeners, let's talk about the Scroveni Chapel, which is where the works we will be discussing today are located.
Scrovegni Chapel is located in Padua, Italy, 24 miles from Venice, also known as the Arena Chapel because it was built next to the site of an ancient Roman arena. Mm. It's a small chapel. The nave, which is the longest <laughs> part of the chapel, uh, where people would sit to pray, is 68 feet long, 28 feet wide, and 42 feet high. Okay. Um, it's not a giant basilica, basically. But Giotto and his team of 40 apprentices covered almost every inch of the surfaces in fresco, including the walls and the ceiling, with the life stories of the Virgin Mary and Jesus' lives, which mm-hmm. are shown through a total of 38 scenes in three overlapping rows up on the side walls of the nave. Kind of like a comic book, in yeah. a way. The panels tell a story in a sequence. But first, Russell. Yes, Stephanie. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, another, another one. one. All right, let's go. <laughs> Tell me what is the first thing you notice when you see images of the chapel? I see a payday lending tycoon flexing that fat wallet, Stephanie. <laughs> okay? And and, uh, and a lot of blue. Yes. A lot, a lot of blue. Mm-hmm. That's, that's falling off the surface of the fresco. Yes. The ceiling and walls are completely covered in ultramarine blue. The best blue you could buy? It was made up of crushed lapis lazuli. <laughs> A very rare, deep blue stone. So, okay, you show up in Venice. You show up in the Venice markets early, Mm -hmm. right? Picture this beautiful Venice in the morning. The colors. Foggy. Beautiful. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm imagining a market on par with the the famous fish market in Japan. Here we have sleepy artists (laughs) rubbing their sleepy little eyes with their big beards. All showing up early to grab them stones. To grab, grab the stones. stones. Okay. Know? It was written into commission contracts that the artist had to be paid for a jaunt to Venice yeah. to get some of this pigment. So basically, so you're t- you're taking a precious gem. Okay. You're putting you're putting in a little grinder. All right. <laughs> <laughs> grinding it up. It's a good time. And you, take, you take those pigments, those grinds, and you mix it with oil. I'm sure that's a little bit, there's a little bit more involved to this. <laughs> Probably, but, yeah. Uh, Giotto is using a lot of stones to cover a room this size. A that, lot of stones. So much dinero. So many stones. This was a rare color that you didn't want to dilute in the fresco process. Mm-hmm. If you remember back to, I think, what was it, episode 10 with Diego? Yeah. So you would use it as a finishing color, which is why so much of the surface is cracking and falling off of the fresco. You're using less plaster and it doesn't bind as strongly as a typical fresco. That is called fresco secco and artists would do this if asked, usually letting the patron know that that wasn't going to last long. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what does Len Nation CEO care, Stephanie? <laughs> okay. He's just concerned that it holds up long enough to get him into that final quarterly meeting with the big shareholder in the sky. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Part of Ultramarine's rise in the West was its growing association with the Virgin Mary's holiness and humility, which you can most often see in her robes. Right. If you really want to, you know, greasy old wheels to get your uh, Len Nation ass in heaven, (laughs) uh, you're going to make sure to compliment the the BJ's mama. I mean, yeah, basically. Enrico's trying to... Yes, he's in the... About the church. Yeah, the church. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) Go on. Do you know... Do you know... Do I know what? Do you know what Iglesias means? Uh, sexy singer. Sexy singer man. <laughs> it means churches. Okay, so <laughs> um, Enrico's trying to cover his bases. Okay. And I mean, he went to town, yeah. okay? Or maybe, maybe, probably, Giotto convinced him to do it. I don't do no Virgin Mary fresco <laughs> without the lapis, capisci? <laughs> I thought you was a usurer, sir. And you fucked up, sir. It was okay. He had all the money. He could fix his mistake. You got all this loan money. You need to make a nice <laughs> church. All right. Right. Oh, you need oh, to make a nice church. Damn. He's shoving the atone. He's yeah. The the uh, the use of the. I sin. need more. I need more <laughs> precious stones. And then he sees Giotto like walking around the city with blue precious gemstones. <laughs> 
covering his entire body. Like, he can't really walk. It's, like, really difficult. It's so heavy. And then here comes Enrico Iglesias. He's like, hey, dude, what the fuck? But he's surrounded by all his lawyers. Imani Burns okay. amount of lawyers. Yeah. What are you going to do? You got no proof. <laughs> I work for others. I'm, like, babaying, getting all worked up. Aside from all of the expensive blue, the 38 panels the chapel Jada was given to work on was basically a blank slate. The walls didn't have any pre-made architectural ornamentation like molding. So because of that, uh-huh. Giotto was like, I'm, I'm going to make my own. So he dusted off. He like blew off, <laughs> blew off that architectural degree, right? And plotted out some convincing fake ornate molding, faux marble, columns. What is sometimes called trompe Stephanie, I don't want to do that one. No. Can then we give him something else? I don't want to do that one. No. No. Uh, uh, Onto the walls of the surrounding frescoes. I don't want to do trompe And alongside the trompe architecture... Stephanie, what are you doing? No. ...are portraits of saints, prophets, and other Bible figures within the borders, and they kind of look like guess-who characters. We'll do fresco again. That's easier. Russell, this is all very convincing, right? The trompe Unless you were up close. So you wouldn't really know it was a trick of the eye, you know, the the trompe I don't want. I thought this I was so want, cool. Stephanie, I thought I was arguing with when the I saw this in person. The trompe I thought that was really cool. Are you kidding me? Are you tr- kidding me right trumple-lay. now? Trompe Let's go to the art size pantry, I guess. Let's go. You might associate a trompe with sidewalk chalk art that tricks you into thinking you're about to plummet to your death via a giant hole in the earth from a meteorite. Or that there is a stampede of neon triangles and zebras heading straight towards your car. Oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. That's just a, a really cool new condo. Oh, man, I just hope I have enough money to make the deposit. Trompe is actually a French term that translates to deceive the eye. And deceiving the eye is something that artists have used purposefully for thousands of years, either for practical uses like a condo commission or just because they want to fuck with you. The earliest example we know of dates all the way back to Pompeii, where you can imagine the artists hiding in the shadows, watching as their fellow drunk Pompeians tried to snag a piece of fruit off of a fake stone shelf. Many artists, Giotto included, would use their skills to create an impression of spatial depth using perspective and shadow to mimic ornate architecture. That same technique was also used in some of the most famous frescoes of the Renaissance period. Think of the illusion of the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Throughout the 17th century, Flemish and Dutch artists furthered this method, but not only on church walls, within canvases themselves, which probably helped to spur Magritte's treachery of images, which is a passable illusion of a pipe that clearly states that it's not one. Artists today still use this technique in more mind-bending ways than a crater in the earth. For example, Maurizio Catalan made a crater out of Pope John Paul II in his infamous Not Afraid of Love sculpture from 1999. Artist listeners, you can use your illusionist art skills to paint a fake light switch that will fuck with that roommate that you don't like very much. Or you could just consider how using some illusion here and there would change how someone looked at your artwork. Either way, it's worth giving it a try. And listeners, I if I could borrow... $5,000. I really, I, I gotta get in this condo. Well, Stephanie, it appears our little Pontremont tummies have been satiated. Is your bloodthirst satiated, so, Stephanie? listeners, like your in Diego's Detroit Industry murals, we only have time to talk about a few highlights, but we highly recommend you follow along with the images and check out the 360 virtual reality experience of the chapel to give you a better sense of the space, all which can be found on our website. Bloodthirst. <laughs> get out of here.
Okay, listeners, we are looking at the first fresco called The Expulsion of Joachim. And for those of you who grew up Catholic or Protestant like we did, you're probably like, who the hell is Joachim? <laughs> Joachim Phoenix with Enrico Iglesias. This you is know, a star-studded <laughs> art slice, okay? Anna and Joachim were Mary's parents, and you're not going to find them in the Bible. Mm. No, their story is non-canonical. They were added later, okay? I guess people really wanted a prequel to Mary's story. Right off the bat, there's already drama. Lots of drama. Joachim, Anna's husband, and the soon-to-be father of Mary, well, you know, sh- okay. is being kicked out of Jerusalem. Shushimi, okay. Or, get this, being childless. Right. Both Joachim and Anna are in their 70s, mm. and they were never able to have children. Okay. Right? So humiliated, Joachim takes his sheep, and he goes out into the country to fast and do penance for 40 days. Yeah, I mean, he's got to get his sperm count back up. He's, <laughs> he's got to get his tea checked, really. <laughs> okay. So the very next scene is where we find Joachim among the shepherds mm. out in the country, all down in the dumps. Mopey. He's looking mopey. Yeah, right. And now we find... He's got a mopey halo. He definitely yeah. does. Right. Yes, it echoes his mood. <laughs> it's a mood <laughs> halo. Uh, now, <laughs> now we find him asking these two country shepherds that are surrounded by these very cute sheep if he can join their club. Yeah. H- hello, young, virile shepherds. <laughs> I- is this the tea clinic? I- I've abstained from soy. I heard, I heard that soy uh, will reduce my tea. Can you check my tea? Do you want your tea to go up or down? Somewhere in between, I think. Okay. Good Goldilocks zone. I don't know. So, the shepherds are giving him the skeptical side eye. Who the fuck is this guy? Is he for real? Who is this city slicker? Okay, so we definitely should address the inherent strangeness in Jada's work. You almost feel like you're looking at the stage of a play. <laughs> it feels like you've reached the boundary of an old video game where mm. you run into the flat sky <laughs> and things just start to like bug out, yeah. right? The proportions and perspectives are all over the place. The sheep and the trees are way too small. <laughs> yeah. Staircases, platforms, they all they kind of they kind of go nowhere. Rock cliffs look like spray-painted sheets draped over stacks of boxes. The scale of the architecture almost feels like a dollhouse that is too small <laughs> for the doll. <laughs> Halos just kind of sit on shoulders like cardboard cutouts i don't know (laughs) and you could see the influence from all of that wonky medieval art but he gets so detailed painting every curl of the sheep's wool and carefully rendering those brussels sprout looking trees that you can't help but believe it things are starting to look realish but not too (laughs) real right so it's still this imaginary little world right the strangeness is the charm just like with artists like lenore carrington the environment is this immersive other world and you want to buy into it like, I want to walk around this little Giotto world. Right, right. Maybe befriend some of those mini sheep and let them <laughs> sit on my shoulders. Put them under your armpits, kind of carry them around. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Hey, look at this. Check this out. <laughs> In the very next scene, we meet Anne, 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 Joachim's wife. You know what? Her uh, name was Anna. Uh, it's both. It's Anne and it's Anna. And actually, <laughs> Joachim in Spanish is Joaquim. So you might hear me say both, listeners. Sorry. just, just I think uh, I've been saying Joachim. Have you really? Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Okay. All right. Anne is back in Jerusalem where she is in the midst of an Annunciation. Mm. Not the Annunciation, okay. but Anne Annunciation. And, okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> for all you hedonist pagan sinners. The Annunciation is typically the moment when Mary, the teenage virgin, is told that she has been immaculately impregnated, uh-huh. presumably with consent, with the baby <laughs> Jay. But this is not Mary. This is Mary's mama. Anne is in her bedroom. She is on her knees, hands in prayer position. Her halo is glistening, and mm. she's looking up in adoration at 
an angel, but only like a third of it because it looks like it kind of got stuck <laughs> kinda halfway through the fit wall. Through the window there. <laughs> and I come with an important, urgent message from God. Whoops! Oh no, I'm stuck. Uh, but good news, Anne, you're pregnant. <laughs> I don't know where this voice came from. We're gonna stop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, meanwhile, this lady is sitting out on a porch on her. It looks like a flip phone. <laughs> Probably with like not. a fish in the other hand. I don't know what she's Probably doing here. Yeah. Maybe she's trying to get reception. I don't know. I don't. Just trying to pretend that she is not hearing any of this. Like she's friends with Joaquin and she does <laughs> not want to be caught in the weirdness of, of this, whatever is going on here. Right. <sighs> and speaking of porches, architecturally, Giotto has depicted Anne's house as a cutaway, another mm-hmm. sort of stage. Right. Yeah. But this time we're seeing the cross section of her home. It's very similar to how Elsie's house opposite worked mm. in, in episode seven. I really like that. It's growing on me. Which Cut- one? Cutaways. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> there is a tiny balcony above the flip phone woman's cabeza, her head. Okay. But the balcony is clearly made for like houseplants or like decor, some alley cat hangout. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know, because no human is going to fit up there comfortably. I mean, it's a tiny, very costly condo patio, right? <laughs> You can technically go outside, but only one of you can go outside at a time. Yeah. Right. But unlike new condo developments, this looks sturdy. This looks like it's going to last <laughs> a few thousand years. Sure, sure. Okay. So the architecture is well done. I'm convinced that this cutaway structure could actually exist in real life. So good job, Giotto. In fact, it reminded me of Giotto's actual architecture. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Duomo bell tower. Yep, totally. Very totally. long and narrow. <laughs> I love it when you see artistic traits cross mediums. Right. Almost. Like he's a renaissance. No, uh, I hate that term. Uh, not quite, not quite, all right? <laughs> right. So speaking of not quite, Giotto was an accomplished architect. Okay, but here we got a staircase that's going nowhere. We got a Winchester house sitch. <laughs> Yeah, well, things look wonky because he can't depict accurate perspective, so it's not his fault. Oh, okay. Just askew him of any blame. <laughs> I think he should have some blame. That wasn't mastered until 1415 by Brunelleschi, more than 100 years from this moment. But still, Giotto is pretty convincing. He's convincing in his own way. I mean, it really works in this space, the, the Giotto sphere, yeah. right? It echoes the size of the panels within the actual space of the chapel. Mm-hmm. It's small but tall, so yeah. just like that bell tower. <laughs> so to recap, listeners... Anne is miraculously pregnant by God's power, not by Joachim. And angels sometimes get stuck in walls. Listeners, this next scene is called Joachim's Sacrificial Offering, and it takes us back to the countryside. And there seems to be an open fire slash oven slash grill situation. <laughs> it's a sacrificial barbecue. Oh, I guess okay. so, right. So the charred remains of what was Joachim's sacrifice to God, a small animal of some kind, was meant to help resolve the situation with his childlessness and all. Um, and it seems to have worked because God has accepted the sacrifice and has shown his mono, his hand. Okay. <laughs> So God is, yeah, it's it's up at the top. God is depicted as like a (laughs) 90s window cursor (laughs) finger. Uh, You know, the little hand icon is going to click and drag that barbecued sheep away (laughs) up into heaven. Okay. You know what's weirder, though, than than the God mouse finger? What? Uh, The unexplained floating head above Mm, the charter maze. Did one of Giotto's uh, apprentices fuck up and like hope nobody noticed? Joaquim has fallen down onto his knees and is looking to an angel that has appeared to his right. But he's come to tell Joaquim that Anne is going to bear a child. So he can just go to Jerusalem now. He can go back to Jerusalem. Yeah, Joaquim, he's not going back to Jerusalem, Stephanie. He has his new sheep family here. (laughs) He is loving it. Okay. Okay, He's got the two shepherds. They can talk. The sheep have really embraced Joaquim. (laughs) Did you say they can talk? Like you can talk to Anne. What? Like what? It's not the same. Yeah, but Anne doesn't get Joaquim. She doesn't get the sheep life. (laughs) 
Okay. Unlike Anne's experience with the Annunciation, we have a witness here to this miracle, right? right? In one of the shepherds who has his hands in prayer, he's looking towards the great windows cursor in the sky. (laughs) That being said, there are some real scale issues happening in this panel. Yeah. I mean, we see tiny trees. Like maybe Giotto was like, oh, a bush is just like a tiny tree, right? I'm just going to paint a (laughs) tiny tree because I'm not sure what a bush looks like. Well, I think he might have also just been more focused on like faces and figures. (laughs) So the Microsoft God hand is also very small. Like it's cursor size. It's just interesting to see how he's playing with scale here. Mm -hmm. The logic is not the logic of proportional relationships. Mm -hmm. It's more like a reading logic, if that makes sense at all. I think so. Yeah. It's almost like a cross between hieroglyphs and representational painting. So as the panels progress, listeners, the story gets more and more familiar, more canonical. Mm. In the nativity slash birth of Jesus scene, we have the newborn baby Jay in the manger, an interpretation of your typical manger scene with the livestock and the shepherds and the angels all hanging out. Mary is in kind of this open air gazebo slash picnic shelter. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else what else to call it. Yeah, on the side of a cliff, it's it doesn't look comfortable. I do like how one of the legs of the gazebo is longer than the other one to account for the uneven terrain ground. So like you <laughs> wouldn't just put the gazebo like somewhere where it was even. It had to go there. You're right. We need to we need to just believe in the Giotto logic, or yeah, it all falls yeah. apart. Okay, so <laughs> she's lying next to BBJ, tucking him in and. And baby Jay is looking like a Sims baby. Yeah. All swaddled up like a mummy. And they are making eye contact, mother and baby, which that alone is a huge right. departure from the Madonna and child images from the Byzantine times. It's almost like artists didn't know how to handle the possible sacrilege okay. with it being the son of God, right? Baby Jay can't be portrayed as this vulnerable little human. And we can't show Mary being exhausted after giving birth, mm-hmm. still pushing past her physical limits to care for this little thing. Right. Right. It's so removed from the humanity of how it probably would have happened. So something interesting that is starting to happen with the angels, they are, again, kind of poofing in like mm. ghosts, but they're also like breaking it down. They're doing the Macarena. Okay. They're they're rejoicing. OK, it's very dynamic. Yeah, there's a lot of dancing going on. Angel to angel, almost like a really early animation. I think he's trying to depict movements. We're going to get sued if you keep saying Speaking of movement, we have a rare phenomenon happening in the sky of the very next scene called the Adoration of the Magi. Directed by Lars von Trier. <laughs> okay, so the, uh, the wise men are there. They're giving Baby J gifts under the gazebo uh-huh. picnic shelter. Baby J is looking pleased. Traditionally, the Star of Bethlehem is present in the sky, and it's usually a pretty pointed star, but no, not, not for Giotto. Mm, no. <laughs> Giotto used a flaming ball of fire instead yeah. uh, that looks like it's on its way to destroy the planet. <laughs> Hashtag Lars von Trier. It's said that Giotto was inspired by the sighting of a comet in 1301. Today, it's known as Halley's Comet. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is. It's pretty bananas. What is it doing here? <laughs> <laughs> the last time actually it was visible to Earth was in 1986, and Europe sent a probe to examine it, right? Take advantage. And guess what they named it? What do they name it? Giotto. Oh, okay. Cool. Giotto the probe. 
The images of the comet actually do kind of look like Jado's version. Actually, Jado don't lie. Right. Or at least he's trying his best to tell us the truth yeah. with hey, what he's it, got. It, it could have been another wild Giotto prank. <laughs> like okay. what? Like the flies. Oh, right. He's just <gasps> like painting comets on everything. Yes. I just think this is pretty impressive for trying to recall a phenomenon which you'd never seen before. You probably never heard before. Right. And it only lasted a few seconds. Right. And then you're trying to remember this two years later, trying to put it in yeah. a fresco. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. impressive. But what is more impressive, Stephanie, oh, what? is that he's he's committed to memory the uh-huh. big, crooked-teethed grin of a very happy camel. Aww, I like that. <laughs> happy camel. On to one of my favorites, Presentation of Christ at the Temple. Mary and Baby Jay's legal father, Joseph... <laughs> are presenting Baby J at the temple, right, right to meet so you, God. You know, so that Mary could complete the ritual purification after childbirth in obedience to okay. the Torah, your standard stuff. But in Giotto's depiction, we are outdoors, mm. okay? There's a very solid medieval gazebo, which I think is supposed to be the temple. There is this pattern tile underneath the gazebo that's likely showing the influence of Islamic art. There is this beautiful serpentine spiral column made up of very detailed lines and the concentration of lines in the column are echoed in the lines and folds of the figure's clothing mm. in the fabric. Are we talking about Deleuze? The fold? Huh? Never mind. What? <laughs> Sorry. Grad school PTSD. Please go I want to hear about that later. No, no, okay. No. Giotto is just so good at portraying the texture of the fabric. How it hangs from an arm mm. or how it drapes over the curves of a body. You know, there's actually a body under there, right? Right. Like, yeah. They have mass and they have like a weight to them. That leads our eyes to Mary's hands reaching to take back baby Jay from the priest. Baby J has a chubby little baby arm with a fat roll, a little fat roll, okay? And he's trying to squirm away from the priest. He's like, no. And he's flopping his pudgy little baby legs. You know what I'm saying, right? I've seen a baby. When babies start, have you? I've seen one baby. (laughs) I've seen a baby. Yeah. Okay. Good job, Giotto. This is the most babyest baby I think I've ever seen in painting. And he looks like he's ready to have a meltdown. Yeah, I don't think he likes the priest dude breathing in his face. Actually, the more I look at it, the more I think that Mary is actually kind of annoyed. Yeah, like, she does look annoyed. Her brow looks kind of furrowed. That Giotto nuance, you right. know what I'm saying? So she senses, she senses that the screaming is about to happen. Like She's like, come on, Padre, you couldn't hold him for one second without him crying. Like, come on. It's not hard to hold a baby. It is kind of hard, though. I know, I, it is. So skipping ahead, we have we have the baptism of Christ. Baby <laughs> Jay is all grown up. He's <laughs> naked in the water, surrounded by onlookers. He is being baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah. Who is wearing a hair <laughs> shirt and he is barefoot. Hair shirt? Yes. Do you mean like a fur shirt? It's probably made of fur, but it's called a hair shirt. It's called a hair shirt. Yeah. Okay. John is kind of he's kind of stroking Jesus's halo. <laughs> like, oh, your halo's a little different than mine. It feels different. Right? <laughs> of course it's different. He's it's the savior. It's softer. It's squeezy. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't get over how these halos feel like they're attached to the backs of the shoulders of all these characters. Yeah, right. right. But this painting, I wanted to talk about this one because it mm-hmm. stopped me because Giotto is using translucent paint to depict water. Right. You don't see a lot of this at this time. Mm-hmm. And he's painted in some really subtle waves. God or some angel is looking down from above. He looks a little bit like that prophetic deity from the Ancient of Days by William Blake. The paint has chipped off here, mm-hmm. but the texture is just, it's so beautiful beautiful. Right. Yeah, I love a good painting texture, intentional or or otherwise.
Listeners, we are nearing the end by entering okay. into Jerusalem. See what I did there? Yeah, that's, the name, yeah. that's the name of this panel. Yeah. Big J is riding into Jerusalem on a smiling donkey. <laughs> Even the animals have personalities in Giotto's world. So Jesus is surrounded by his apostles and he's being welcomed by city folk. Some. Some with Lord Fartcourt haircuts. <laughs> sure. Fartcourt. Okay. Or childhood Mr. Burns or T.D. <laughs> yeah. Ramon. Anyway, they are climbing these comically small trees. <laughs> To try and get a look at what's going on, right? Other city folk are just rushing to take their clothes off so that, you know, Big J's donkey won't have to step on the bare earth. There are three figures in various stages of shedding some layers for Jesus. Yeah, donkey is is loving this attention. He's very happy, another happy animal. (laughs) But this is another example of his almost early animation. Mm -hmm. Like, you're seeing variations of figures struggling to get their robes off in time for the donkey. (laughs) I mean, the donkey's moving too quickly for them, which yeah. I'm not sure if that's a fast donkey or slow people. And they are, they're just really struggling, right? Yeah. But it shows you how dynamic Giotto is as a storyteller. All right, listeners, this image is probably one of the most emotional and heartbreaking scenes in the chapel, and it's called The Lamentation. Jesus has just been brought down from the cross. He lies dead, but peaceful. Meanwhile, everyone, Mm. everything around him has erupted in anguish. Mary, his mother, is depicted holding Jesus. And if you compare this scene to the nativity scene, she is holding him in the same way she held him as a newborn, which seems like a conscious choice. The look on her face and the body language of everyone is palpable. Even the angels in the sky echo the humans' reactions below, flying around in chaotic circles. One even has their hands up to their face in disbelief. And remember, angels are almost always depicted as strong, stoic creatures. The composition reminded us of a pinball machine. The movement is reflection and deflection, Mm -hmm. right? It can be very disorienting as your eye kind of bounces from one moment to the next. And in an experience like this, it's not like you're going to have a clear head. So the composition matches what is going on. Your mind is that pinball. Mm -hmm. I am far too familiar with performative, manufactured, spiritual moments. But Giotto is so great at capturing the raw humanity of the moment Mm -hmm. without it being melodramatic. This painting speaks more to me now than when I first saw it in school Mm -hmm. or even when I saw it in person. And maybe it's because I'm older now um, or because someone close to me died recently and I saw them right after it happened. And it's not something you forget. I think we can all relate to this, even if it's just a loss of something that was important to you. You don't have to believe in these stories to relate to it. Right. All you need is your human experience. So I just said all all those positive things about how Giotto wasn't preachy. And yeah. Okay. What's this? What's this stuff? I forgot this was here. So listeners, we have gone through the frescoes. We know about Jesus and Mary. But the last thing we see in the Giotto sphere. Right before the exit here. (laughs) Right before the exit as you're leaving is the threat of eternal damnation. Lovely. Um, So (laughs) while Jesus's story ends on a positive note, you know, that he goes to heaven right. and all that. Others are not so lucky. The top half is full of the holy people who did make it to heaven. Right. And they're they're kind of sitting in a football stadium watching this with Jesus, who is in the center, 
I guess he's the quarterback, seated in a, in a, in a rainbow mandorla air traffic control tank. <laughs> yeah. So he's looking at the field below. Folks are, are climbing out of their caskets that are buried in the earth. Uh-huh. Not They're not zombies. They, no, they're normal. They're alive. Fact, they don't look like anything's <laughs> happened to their bodies. Well, they're like naked also. But on the other side, it's the, yeah, do they bury them naked? I don't think they do. But on the <laughs> other side, it's, it's the dark pits of hell. Yeah, he's kind of grumpy, as I would be too. It looks like he was awakened from his heavenly nap <laughs> to direct all of these poor souls like traffic. So I guess you've seen it once and it kind of loses its shine, right? I feel like if I, if this was my job, if I was the air traffic control person for heaven and hell, I don't know if that, that's like not a job that gets very boring. Well, it's also like. like you're the son of God and this is what you died for, <laughs> like to be the air traffic mm. controller. I don't like your bow tie. Mm. <laughs> Next. This doesn't look like any of the panels we've seen so far. Right. The composition is more cyclical. Like it almost reminds me more of Tibetan tonkas. Yes. Yes. It's full of themes that we will continue to see into the Renaissance, including right. Giotto's version of hell. Goody. Giotto's version of hell is chaos. We yeah. have demons torturing the damned in gruesome ways. There is a big blue Satan eating naked sinners. If you squint, you can see the gleaming lights of the Naviant Corporate Woods Building <laughs> in the background. <laughs> I think that's your student loan officer there. Go fuck yourself, King. <laughs> Mr. You can refine. I, so it's it's just a weird turn. I mean, we were yeah. just talking about how Mary was showing so much relatable humanity right. and empathy. And then now I'm walking towards the exit. Someone's shaking an offering tray at me <laughs> and they're yelling at the, me that I'm going to hell because they they know. Right. You know. They, they know. They know. They know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's this huge, scary reminder that we are definitely still in church. Uh, we will also definitely be seeing more of these chaotic health Oh, oh, goody. Kind of looks like an early Bosch. Wink, wink. I'm just saying wink. Um, Because I can't really wink that well. Okay, so (laughs) now back to the good side. Wait, what is this? Who do we have but an Enrico Scrivegni? (laughs) I mean, mean, hey, he's handed over his Iglesias, right? Uh, His Iglesia, yes. Good job. (laughs) Yes, exactly. He is on one knee handing over a miniature version, dollhouse version of this chapel. Once again, some scale issues with Giotto. This makes sense to me, though. (laughs) He wants to show a miniature version. I love that. I love that. But he's not handing it over by himself. There's a priest helping him hand it over to Mary. I'm sure it's it's, it's really heavy. heavy. Yeah. Like his conscience. Um, But anyway, so he's... He's like, look, Mary, look, I did good. Can you let me in now? Thank mm. you so much. This moment here, the patron handing off the church dollhouse. Yeah, the little mini dollhouse church thing. Well, and on the good side, this will definitely become a characteristic of the Renaissance. Cool. The patrons putting themselves cool. into the composition, yeah. you know, being all heavenly. Because they deserve to be there, yeah. Well, yeah, they paid for it. Yeah. Okay, so maybe maybe Giotto chose to make this hell like extra scary because he knew that he had to put Enrico Scrivegni in there. He's mm. like, I'm going to put his ass so close to the edge of hell he's as much teetering as man Mr. he's teetering Mr. what do you mean to cover the whole ceiling <laughs> you know what I'm saying well okay so scum of the earth Enrico he comes yeah. in to complain about Giotto's request for more precious lapis stones <laughs> and I think Giotto just points to that hell scene <laughs> like that's what he painted first pointing with his, his lapis encrusted cane <laughs> yes doesn't say anything right it's like more stones love it Um, I mean look Hiding behind this big cross, there is a person (laughs) trying to sneak over to the good side from hell. Okay, all we see are arms and legs. What the fuck? It could be anyone, but also, it almost feels like Giotto is saying that Enrico, Enrico is trying to sneak over to heaven when he was supposed to be in hell. So...
on this, the top of the glorious Art Slice Hilltop, okay. we congregate to celebrate the blessings and the bounties brought forth from above mm-hmm. in this, the candy and condom moat. Mm-hmm. We have brought with us an offering created <laughs> from a Lend Nation CEO's offering to wash clean his sins, the sins of his father, to traverse the eye of a needle in order to enter thine pearly fortress in thine sky. <laughs> Stephanie, please turn your hymn hymnals to page 169 and join us in a prayer of song. Okay. Oh, we love thine art slice hilltop and we've taken <laughs> this, we've hotwired this chapel and drove it to our chop shop <laughs> we must now decide if it goes in the art slice museum <laughs> all right that was beautiful let us pray first look around you find someone you don't know oh no i hate this part and give them a greeting. All right. I just went into like a little zone there. But Stephanie. Russell. We're at the Art Slice Hilltop. We we've, sure we, are. <laughs> we've hijacked the chapel. We hotwired it. I don't know if you heard my song, but we hotwired it. Okay? Did you catch my act we, really we, yeah, we, <laughs> we crossed our wires, all right? And then we uh, we drove it from Italy or wherever it is to the Art Slice mu- mu- Museum. Yes, we drove a chapel from Italy to La Isla de Art. La Isla de Art Slice. Yeah. Pulling it's like a- in front of the museum. It's an on aquatic the car. Because- <laughs> You know, it's an island. It's an aquatic car. It's an aquatic car. It's a surf and turf. Surf and turf vehicle. Okay. <laughs> STV. That's right. All right. That's right. Okay. Well, first, let me flip it back to Why you. Why would you do that if I asked you? Because Why would you do that right because, off the top? Oh, my God. <laughs> because you have very certain feelings about where this connecting flight is headed, which is to your, you know, your favorite, the not Renaissance. Favorite. My not favorite. Um, my absolute not favorite. Well, okay. So was this what you were expecting? Um, was this chapel? Was Jada? Was all all of that? Was that what you were expecting? Um, no, it's a, it's a chapel trap house. Uh <laughs> I wasn't expecting Giotto to make his own rules and logic for this little world, right? Mm -hmm. It it feels more contemporary in that way. Yeah, I can see that. He was a layover between those illustrative, imaginative, uh, illuminated manuscripts Mm -hmm. and the more like natural work to come, even though I don't think it's that natural. Actually, the Renaissance, I think, is very unnatural. <laughs> another day, another day. <laughs> and I like I don't want to take away his agency as an artist. The work seems naive to us now, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like the work that we're looking at is unintentional. Okay. Right. I think you can clearly see him melding influences. And that's what's fun about being an artist when you get to take a little bit here, take a little bit there, meld it all together. Yeah. Which is why, Stephanie, I, I was a little bit surprised to have my stone cold little heartstrings. <laughs> Tugged on by these these little miniature sheeps and little characters Aww. and little religious figures. Like I'm not a religious person. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. He We're got tugged. to you. Yeah. He got to you. And, then, and he catches you off guard. Like, I agree. Mm-hmm. I don't care that it's a little janky at times. Giotto, to me, will always stand out for the humanity that he brought to painting. Right. He was just so passionate about life and he wanted to show you what it looked like, what it felt like in a way that you can see yourself in, right? right. In a way that we can relate to. These are not the juiced up figures <laughs> of the high renaissance <laughs> who live at the gym. It's coming. Giotto's figures are far more relatable in their more natural appearance and in their expression and body language. It's just more humble. Mm. And I I really like this in-between genuine and wonkiness 
nothing is perfected yet. Yeah. It's just, you know, tell the story. Right. There's a point as artists where you've learned a lot and you've mastered a lot as an artist, but you're not obsessed with mastery yet. So it's still this fun and free time. He's not obsessed with a formula for perfection, mm. which I actually think could rob this work of some genuineness. I actually prefer this to the Sistine Chapel because you're actually able to appreciate it. Mm. You can see the frescoes a lot more clearly. Totally. Even the ones that are near the ceiling because of its size. Right. And it's also much less crowded. Like the exterior of the chapel too is also very modest. No way would you expect what's inside. Yeah, it's just like a brick building. And and mm. I get that. I, I haven't been to either the Sistine Chapel nor this, but I bet it's a lot like Angkor Wat in a way. Like you mm. go to Cambodia because of all the hype. Right. But it's, it's the smaller temples that actually stick with you. Oh, yeah. You're able to take time and actually look at what's around you. Be immersed in a temple uh-huh. when it's smaller, when it's less crowded. And by doing that, you're able to understand your place within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that too. I mean, I've also been to St. Peter's Basilica, like the Basilica, right? I don't remember anything. Right. I mean, I think what we're both saying is we would much rather have a genuine moment than a forced moment for something that is ostensibly important. And that's why I will always come back to Giotto. But do you, Stephanie, want it in the Art Slice Museum on top of the Art Slice Hilltop, surrounded oh. by the candy and condom moat? Uh, <laughs> I hate this question. I am breaking my own rule. Okay. That I want parts of it. What do you so, mean you want parts of it? Go bigger. You want to take. You want to take a pair of scissors <laughs> and cut out a little scissors. square of like somebody's painting. You mean take a jackhammer? Uh, <laughs> no. So the Scrivania Chapel is not tied to the location in the same way that you know the Detroit okay, industry rules were to Detroit. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sure. No. 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 You gave me a lot <laughs> of shit for this. No. Please go on. Ah. Okay. So the story of Jesus is supposedly like a universal. Story, it's not right? unique to Detroit, Michigan. Correct. I mean, a lot of people around the world would know it. Okay, so <laughs> I'm just going to show up with my hammer and my, like, tools, and I'm going to take a few things with me. Okay, what are you going to take with you? Once I leave with these things, Force I'm not going to turn ceiling. around and see what's going on behind me. I want the ceiling. Okay. Beautiful blue ceiling with those gold stars yep. any day, all day. I want the water... The perpetually moving water mm. in the Jesus baptism fresco. Okay. I want that. Minus the naked Jesus. You don't want the naked Jesus there. Okay. Nope. I, do, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. It does look like a nice place to take a dip in the pool. I also want some Brussels sprout trees. I okay. want some small sheep. Check. I got a handful of things I'm taking with me. It kind of sounds like you're going to leave uh, that little chapel in shambles, Stephanie. But okay. I, <laughs> oops. Yeah, oops. <laughs> Despite your sudden heel turn. Yeah. So you become the Russell now. I hope you, you're happy with that. I personally <laughs> am tempted to say yes, that I do want this chapel in the oh, Arts Ice Museum, okay. which is a weird heel turn for myself as well. Right. But actually, like, I would prefer to table this discussion for another what? time. Wait, what? Why? Well, because I, I feel like I need more from this time period to compare it to. Okay. I didn't pay attention in my in my art history classes. Like, okay. No surprise there, right? <laughs> I think it was one of our listeners who said so succinctly, it was just memorization. Yeah. To me, there was no actual discussion of the artwork, ostensibly the reason you're there. And because of that, it's just all a blur to me. Aw. Pontramon to my head. Like, if you were like, Russell, you have to decide now, I think I'd be in your court. Like, I want to take it to the chop shop, chop it up. Because it, because it does feel kind of dirty, yeah, right? The chapel yeah. feels a little dirty, knowing this was made by a Lend Nation CEO. Yeah. That's pretty disgusting. Yeah, for sure. I do not approve of those kind of people, nor student loans. Right. Just burn it all down, all right? Yes, please. However, Stephanie, okay. yes. not however about the Lend Nation thing. I just had an idea. <laughs> for the time being, I think we can make a virtual reality 
Giotto experience. Oh. Like it can have all the little bits and pieces that we like. Okay. And by virtual reality, I am actually thinking of like a highly hallucinogenic drug that gives you like your own Giotto world experience, right? Oh. And our job as the Art Slice Museum curators, Dawson's, and uh, trip sitters of the Art Slice Museum is to make sure that you're just, you're going to have a good safe time. It'll be safe. It'll be safe. It'll be safe. Uh. (laughs) Ah. Yes. We'll workshop it, but we're going to workshop it. Okay. Um, So we're putting this on hold. We're going to revisit this. So listeners, that is going to do it for us today. The featured music today was Waiting for Tomorrow, which is one of hundreds of incredible songs that Rose from Loyalty Freak Music has made. Hello, I'm Rose. I run the website Loyalty Freak Music, where I put all the compositions I do under Creative Commons Zero License. I produce under several nicknames, each one with a particular approach to music. And if I can help destroy a bit the capitalist system by that means, I'll do it. I've released more than 2,500 songs I give for free under those licenses during the last 10 years and have a little community using and remixing those tunes into a lot of different media. My music lives in those new works and that makes me really happy. So we're supporters and we hope you all can support Rose's mission. We will link them in the show notes. Don't forget to share the show with a friend. Leave a five-star written review on your pod player of choice. And join us on Patreon. And no. And no. Your kid could not have frescoed that. Bye. Bye.